uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Uh, we're going to be reading in the NIV. Um, this is going to be uh, a, a kind of a responsive reading. Uh, I'll read the first verse, and we'll all respond with the verse after that, and we'll keep going back and forth until the end. So if you want to look up uh, the NIV version in your pew Bible, or if you have a Bible app, or you brought your own Bible that's an NIV, um, Again, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. And if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, sorry, this is a, it was a little confusing. Uh, uh, I think it sets 9 through 13, but I actually read 9 through 15. <laughs> More scripture is not a bad thing. <laughs> uh, well, brothers and sisters, we are continuing uh, our sermon series, Metanoia. It is about change. It is about repentance. It is about turning our hearts and minds and lives back to God. And uh, this is part two of the kingdom prayer. Uh, last week, uh, for those who weren't here, uh, we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. We're going to continue talking about that. Um, the Lord's Prayer is probably the most famous prayer in the Bible. I, I think I can say that. Uh, one that many people memorize. Um, I heard this story, and I don't know if it's a true story or if it's just a joke, but I thought I would share it with you. And it, it's, it's maybe kind of a little cheesy, but you, you guys can just humor me. You can laugh or fake laugh <laughs> if you want to. You don't have to. No one's, it's a free country. Uh, but uh, I, I heard this story. The way I heard it was, um, it was uh, the, the Chicago Bears, which is a football team, and uh, that uh, in, in the 80s, uh, they had this very famous coach, Dicka, Mike Dicka, and one of their most famous players was this guy, Refrigerator Perry. Uh, they called him the fridge or the refrigerator because he was enormous. He was as big as a refrigerator. And so they had like a, a team chapel, and there was the chaplain uh, who was going to give like a little message and lead them in prayer. And so he called on uh, Refrigerator Perry to come up and lead the whole team in the Lord's Prayer. And so Dick kind of leans over to someone sitting next to him. And he was like, hey, I I bet you five bucks the fridge doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And so the guy's like, all right, you're on. And so... um, the refrigerator Perry gets up there and he's like very nervous. He's like big, enormous football player and he's just kind of shaking. But then he like kind of calms himself and then he says, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And Dick just shakes his head, hands the guy's $5 and was like, I could have sworn he didn't know the Lord's prayer. Because he didn't know the Lord's Prayer either. But that obviously is not the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, obviously, um, it's the, what we read. Our Father who art in heaven. Uh, brothers and sisters, I mentioned this last week, but the Lord's Prayer, I don't think is meant to be a form prayer. And we do call it the Lord's Prayer, 
But it is not supposed to just belong to Jesus. I think we call it the Lord's Prayer because it's the prayer that Jesus taught us. And sometimes when, uh, like in liturgy, they're leading people in the Lord's Prayer. They say, now let us pray the prayer that uh, Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, right? And I, I emphasized last week this idea of it is our Father. We're not just praying to Jesus' Father. It is Jesus' Father, but He's your Father too. And what this prayer, I think, is supposed to be is not something you legalistically pray, but it is meant to align you to the heart of God. It is meant to align you to the kingdom of God. And so I, I wanted to... Um, you know, so, so we, you know, we, we, we went over, uh, mostly the first part of the prayer. And so I'll just say it again. Uh, we'll, we'll put it up here on the screen. Uh, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or, or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is that great alignment. We want God's kingdom, God's rule to come here on earth, right? Like one of the big things for a lot of us is we like to be in control. We want things to be our way, right? But we are praying for God's way. You know, we, we want our will to be done, right? A lot of us are striving and wishing and hoping that things will happen the way we want. But we are aligning ourselves to God's will. And so then uh, the rest of the prayer really focuses on that. What does it mean for our will to be lined up to God's will? And so uh, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, I mentioned last week that I've been having this kind of weird anxiety um, over the last couple of weeks, and I had to see some doctors about it, about my breath. And so I've been praying this prayer, give us this day our daily breath. And, and what the daily bread is about is you're not literally, uh, forgive my Korean, uh, literally praying for bang, right? For, for bread, right? But bread is symbolic of the most basic things you need, right? You need food, right? You need water. You need money. You need those things, right? God knows you need those things. You know, and we spend a lot of time worrying about those things. But praying that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, means that, um, and by the way, uh, the implication here is give me enough bread for the next 24 hours. That's the implication here, right? It's not give me for the rest of my life all the bread I need, and I pray this once and that's all I need. But this idea of praying this every day, God, I continually need you. I continually need to depend on you. Give me today what I need to live, right? And so a part of that um, is forgive us our debts, uh, this gets translated as uh, trespasses. We'll talk about that later. But here in the prayer, in the Greek, the word is not trespass. The word is not sin. The word is actually debt. You know, and maybe some of you have been in debt before. <laughs> and you would understand why this would be an important thing to pray for. Right? What do we need every day? <laughs> you know, what are the things that are really making it hard to live? Debt is one of them, right? I, I, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I, I've heard people, uh, you know, like jokes and things like that where they're like, uh, tell me a, a scary story. And they're like, 
student debt. And oh, that's like, oh my gosh. Oh, oh, don't freak me out like that. That's scary, right? Like a lot of us live in debt. Is it just financial debt? Well, it, you know, it could be that. But, you know, for most of us, we think about this, you know, in, in other ways, kind of metaphorically. What are the things we owe? What are the deficiencies we have? And, and for many of us, debt feels like a gigantic weight. You worry about it. You think about it. Right? And you think to yourself, if I could be free from this debt, I'd be home free. I don't know if any of you have like credit card debt. And you're like, oh my gosh, if I could be free from this credit card debt, like, oh my gosh, like I could breathe free, you know? And just like any situation in life, um, it does feel good when, when that, that comes to pass and, and you're free from that debt. But it's only a momentary relief, you know? Uh, for me, I, I remember uh, I was in some credit card debt uh, from, uh, from seminary and... Uh, I, I had kind of racked up some debt. You know, some of it was understandable. Some of it was like maybe a little irresponsible. But whatever the case was, over a period of years, when I moved to Michigan, I was able to pay it off. And I remember that final payment I made, you know, and, and you look at that number and it's like zero and you're like, oh, right? You know, now that feeling hasn't stayed with me. You know, I'm still not celebrating that. Oh, I remember back in 2005, you know, when I paid off that debt, you know. It, it, it doesn't sustain me forever. But what are the things you owe? What are the f- ways that you feel inadequate? And, and I think for many of us, we feel these kind of debts that we have. You know, maybe it's mistakes you've made. Maybe wrongs that you have paid to other people, you know, and you feel like you owe in some way. For many of us, it's spiritually. We feel like we owe God in some ways, right? We, we did something against God that we shouldn't have. You know, you sinned, whatever the case may be. And I know for many of us, um, that word sin is like a really bad word for us. Like, oh, Pastor Steve, that makes me feel so, so bad, so guilty. You know, I don't like to think about sin, you know. And well, brothers and sisters, the word here is debt, you know, what is it that you owe? And I want to say this, brothers and sisters, I, I, I know that for a lot of us in this world, um, there is this movement, and, and I think it's a good movement, is that we talk about being enough psychologically. That there's a lot of people who are walking around feeling like, oh, I'm not enough. There's something lacking. There's something missing. You know, maybe I need to achieve something in life and then I will be enough. You know, maybe I need to get into a better psychological space. I need to love myself and then I will be enough. Right? And I I think for some people, um, that is a very oppressive thought. And so there has been a movement towards just telling people, you know what, you are enough. No matter where you are in life, you're enough. You know, just look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough. You know, and brothers and sisters, there's going to be a a kind of a paradox here. And so I want to hold this tension together 
um, something that may be kind of hard for us because we tend uh, as human beings to kind of be of one, one of two extremes. Either, hey, you know what? Everyone's okay. Okay, yeah, I make mistakes. Yeah, I screw up. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'm dishonest or, you know, sometimes, you know, I have these problems or whatever, but you know what? I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm just enough. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Or there's the other extreme where you're like, you know what? I'm really not enough. Man, I'm really screwed up. And this world is screwed up. And uh, I, I really do feel inadequate. And brothers and sisters, I think that what this is about saying, forgive us our debts, all the ways that we feel like we are not enough. We are asking God to not necessarily, well, in a way, to, to erase those things. But the debts of those things. That feeling that you are not enough. This is one of the great paradoxes. You, you know, there's so many paradoxes. Uh, and, and we find these things in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself is a paradox. He is fully God and fully man. What? What does that mean? Right? But God holds those two things true in Jesus. Fully man fully God. What about for us? Brothers and sisters, I want to say this. You are a debtor. You are a sinner. We do owe. There's a lot of evidence to this, right? There's a lot of ways where we fall short. And yet, in Christ Jesus, you are enough. In Christ Jesus, you are completely loved. In Christ Jesus, you are completely forgiven. And you're like, how can that be? It's this paradox. I know, I know I am not worthy on my own. But in Christ Jesus, I am enough. All of those debts that I have are forgiven. Right? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. So you want to talk about the accounting of all that? Hey, look to the cross. Look at what Jesus did for you. He paid the price. But that there's that tension that we go through every day. You don't have to play these psychological games and say, oh, I just am enough, right? You know, I, I don't care that I'm doing wrong things. Well, we should care, right? Like, it's not good to just go around just, you know, I mean, because sometimes the things we do, they hurt other people, right? Sometimes the things we do cause harm in this world, and we shouldn't ignore that. And yet, there is a place where I can be completely forgiven. I can come exactly as I am. I can be completely loved. My debts are forgiven. Amen? Maybe you guys hear that, that paradox? Both those things are true. And then, there's another thing that we hold in tension. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And so there are people who owe us, in a way, right? You know, maybe there's people who have sinned against us or they have done things that have harmed us. They have done things to harm the world. They owe in some way, right? They're not quite right. And there is this idea that I am being forgiven, but at the same time, I also forgive the world. I forgive my enemies. I forgive the people who bump into me and don't say sorry, right? I forgive the people who have offended me. I forgive the people who are hurting the people that I love. 
All those things, brothers and sisters, are happening at the same time. And then there is that protection that we are praying. Because we live in this uncertain world, and part of the reason why we don't forgive is because we think it's up to us to make those things right, and it is not. Right? We are praying for God's kingdom to come. God's will, be to be, will to be done. It's the Lord's vengeance. He will repay. He will figure these things out. Right? He may use you for some of that, but that is not primarily your job. And so then we can pray, lead me not into temptation. Sometimes I'm tempted to try to take the, 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 this whole world into my hands and to make everything right. You know, I'm tempted to think that it all depends on me. And deliver, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. There are things I can't control. There are so many things to worry about in this world. But God, you are going to be the one ultimately to protect me. Deliver us from evil. Now, brothers and sisters, uh, where it gets even more interesting is in 14 uh, through and 15. Um, and this is where we double down on that whole idea that we saw before, where it says... Uh, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And now we're going to see the language that uh, is very familiar for a lot of us. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will you forgive, will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a little bit, uh, you know, I said Jesus kind of doubles down on the forgiveness language here. On the necessity that we must forgive. It is not optional for the Christian. Right? So the way most of us read this passage is we say, oh yeah, well, God forgives us. And as we are forgiven, out of that forgiveness, I'm able to extend that forgiveness to others. Yes, that is true. But the language here is a little bit stronger. It says, if you do not forgive, you are not forgiven. I I know for a lot of us who have grown up in the church, uh, especially evangelical churches, that for a lot of us, we bristle against this. We're like, did Jesus really mean this? I thought his forgiveness was unconditional. right? What does that mean that if I don't forgive someone, that I won't be forgiven? And so, brothers and sisters, I I, I want to try to explain this a little bit. Uh, One thing is, I want to talk about what a trespass is. We are obsessed with uh, trespasses. You know, maybe, you know, for some of us, it's not language we use all the time, but you probably have seen signs like this. You know, I've seen like something like, uh, you know, like no trespassing, you know, you will be shot on sight, you know, survivors will be shot again, you know, like all this stuff. Uh, you know, there's actually uh, uh, laws in certain uh, states. I, I don't think it's in Michigan, but they have castle laws. You know what a castle law is? A castle law is the idea, if somebody comes into your castle, right? I mean, brothers and sisters, this is kingdom language, right? (laughs) You know, I'm the king of my castle. So if you come in uninvited, I have every right to defend this castle. I can use lethal force to do that. And there have been people who, you know, have, have, you know, broken into someone's house and maybe, you know, they were just trying to steal something or maybe they did it on accident, But that person has a right to defend themselves, right? This idea of trespassing means, you know, there is a boundary between you and me, and you may not cross it. 
You know, maybe it's not as extreme for you as kind of like this castle thing, like, hey, you can't come in. Keep your distance, you know? But maybe for you, it's like personal space. I know for me, I get like really, really wonky about personal space. You know, like, like, uh, I don't know, sometimes like I'm at a restaurant and, you know, they try to pack in those tables to get as many people in there. And especially on campus, oh my gosh, they just pack in all those tables and you're just like back to back with other people, you know? But it drives me crazy when I'm at a table and there's not that much room behind me, but someone just leans back, right? They just want to lean back and just, you know, I, I, I don't know what they're doing, but, you know, I'm like, yo, I'm here, right? Respect my boundary. Respect my kingdom, right? Respect my personal space. You may not enter, you know? And so for some of us, you know, and by the way, I heard it's cultural, like different countries. Um, there was a, a, a sitcom, uh, Seinfeld, where they would talk about like close talkers. Like some people, just their boundaries are just a little bit closer. And so when they talk to you, like let's say you're right here, they would go like this. Hi, nice to meet you. And they're like, what are you doing, right? No, no trespassing, right? No trespassing. The idea is a trespass is going beyond your boundary. Right? And all of us have those boundaries. You may not cross that. Now, there are all kinds of ways that people overstep. You are not supposed to do certain things. And so, you know, we think of that in terms of sin, but Jesus also uses this language in terms of our relationship with other people, the way that we keep other people separate. So let me try to explain to you why this is so important and why you cannot be forgiven if you do not forgive other people. Now, most of us, we think of our relationship with God as a straight line, right? Like, like you know, you could almost like see a line between you and God, right? And if you sin or if you make a mistake, that line gets severed, right? And so this is the only thing that matters. But I really don't think that's the case. I think that your relationship with God is a circle. It's a sphere. Okay? So God's love for you is a sphere. And, and that sphere is meant to keep you in unity. Right? Like, like, you know, let's go back to the idea of a string. Right? Let's say that between me and Sonny is like a string that is attaching, to, uh, attached to us. Right? Anytime I mess up, I, I violate her trust, right? Or whatever the case may be, that string gets broken, right? But now let's say that, uh, and so that's our traditional way of thinking about a relationship with God. But let's say it's actually a sphere. So in this sphere is Mike and Quince and all the people around us, right? Now, so if it were a string, right, that I could be mean to Quince, right? <laughs> was, it, was that too hard? So, no, you're right. All right. <laughs> you know, I could be really mean to Quince, you know, and, and be like, hey, you know what? But my string with God is not broken. You see that? That's what most of us think. We think I'm okay because me and God are okay. I can be mean to Quince. I can lie to Mike. I can cheat, uh, you know, everyone around me. But as long as I'm okay with God, that's, that's what's important. I just need to be forgiven of God. But other people, doesn't matter. But what if... God's love was actually a sphere, and it was meant to encompass everyone around me as well. Then in that case, 
If, if there is unforgiveness between me and God, obviously that's a problem. But it also becomes a problem if there's unforgiveness between me and the people around me. Does that make sense? Yeah? Yeah? So if God's love is meant to be a sphere, then I must also forgive these people. We're all supposed to be in forgiveness, right? But we have a a false way of looking at humanity. And that is the idea that each and every one of us is a castle. We have boundaries around each other. And we keep everyone out. There's a passage uh, in Ephesians that talks about the dividing wall of hostility, right? That hostility existed between Jews and Gentiles, but it's also just everyone. You know what? I'm me and you're you and we're separate. And by the way, some of us are more separate than others. Oh, you have a different skin color than me. You're even more separate. Oh, you know, you're kind of a jerk, or you're a close talker, or, you know, yeah, you, 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 uh, breathe too loudly. Whatever the case may be. You're inconsiderate. You're even more separate. We keep these people at arm's length. But what God is trying to do is break down all those notions of trespassing. Break down all the barriers that exist between us and other people. Okay, am I making you guys uncomfortable? I'm sorry. I'll step back now. <laughs> You're trespassing, Pastor Steve. <laughs> no trespassing. Um, brothers and sisters, some of you may be like, okay, Pastor Steve, that sounds great, but is that really biblical? Did you just make all that up, that circle stuff? Let me try to convince you. This is Ephesians chapter 1, 7 through 10. This often is, is uh, talked about as the cosmic purpose of Christ. What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to unite human beings with God, right? That's what Jesus came to do, right? But the problem is in the West, we are so individualistic, we only think about it in terms of an individualistic thing. Yes, God wants to unite me with Christ. How wonderful that is, right? Thank you, God, for that forgiveness. But if I'm not united with the other person. That's okay. As long as it's just you and me, God. It's only you and me, Jesus, baby. You know, that's all I need, right? I don't need anyone else. But look at what it says in Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our, you see that word, trespasses, right? According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. What do we just pray in the Lord's Prayer? Your will be done. What is his will? This is the mystery of his will. You want to know what it is? It's right here. It's right here. According to his purpose. You want to know God's purposes? Right? You want to know what God's kingdom is about? It's right here. Which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. This is what God ultimately wants to accomplish. To unite all things in him. All things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. You get that? All things. He doesn't just want to unite Steve to himself, right? To God. He just doesn't want to unite Sonny to God. He definitely wants to do that. But all things, right? What happens if, you know, this is Christ and we are being united to him? What happens as we get closer to Christ? 
Okay, I'm not going to make you come up, but what if Quinta were here? United to Christ. We're all united to Christ. Guess what? I'm also now united to Quinta. Does that make sense? You must be. You must be. Right? That's just the way it works. So if I have unforgiveness towards Quinta, I don't forgive you. I don't forgive you. I don't care. But God forgives me. It makes no sense. I'm being separate from Quinta. You guys see that? That's why this is so important, right? Again, you know, you're like, okay, Pastor Steve, that was one, that was a good verse, I admit. That was a good verse, but I'm not completely convinced. John 17, this is Jesus' final prayer. Before he goes to the cross, they call it the high priestly prayer. Jesus' wishes and dreams, don't you ever wish that Jesus would talk about us sometimes? You know, did Jesus actually pray for us? Well, he did. You guys know that? He prayed for us right here. And, and, and so we see this, John 17, 20. I do not ask for these only because he was praying for his disciples, right? So I'm not only asking for my disciples who are physically present, the 12, but also for all those who believe in me, in me through their word. Who is that? Yay, it's us, right? We are those people that Jesus is praying for, all those who will believe because of their word. That they may all be, everyone say it with me, one. It's ironic if we don't say one as one voice. So let's do that again. That they may all be one. One Uh, one more time. Oh, that's so good. That they all, may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. This is the meaning of the Trinity, right? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in unity with each other. They are unified, right? What is that? It's a circle, right? That's why it said that God's love is a circle, right? They are unified with each other. So if that is the love that exists between God and, and Jesus, the Father in Jesus, He wants that to be in us, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I mean, this is one of the things that drives people crazy when they look at the, the church. They say, the church, you talk about God and how much God forgives you, but you aren't forgiving each other. You talk about love, but you're not loving each other. We, we see so much hate from the church. We see so much hate from Christians. How can this be? And brothers and sisters, i got to say, I agree. How can this be? Now remember, the good news is that we are saints and sinners together, right? We, we are, are, are trespassing and we're screwing up, but you are completely forgiven. And I want you to hear that again. As we go into this final push, I, I want you to see this, 26. I made them made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. What is that love? That unconditional, sacrificial love. The way Jesus looks at you, and he says, I do not discriminate. I do not decide that you are lovely. I do not decide that you are lovable. I do not decide that you are forgivable. I forgive. I forgive. Brothers and sisters, Jesus' final prayer, the cosmic purpose of Christ, is not for you to be right. It's not for you even to be happy. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Happiness will come. Joy will come with this. Right? But some of these things that we are learning to do in the Lord's Prayer, we are aligning ourselves to the purpose of Christ. And when we find that unity, there is great joy. But I know for some of you, there is great pain in the ways that you have been hurt by others. I, I want to acknowledge that. I don't want to just gloss that over and say, oh, you're just a bad Christian because you're not forgiving people. Brothers and sisters, what does Jesus say? Forgive your debts. The debts are real. Right? It does hurt. If someone were to cheat you or, or disrespect you or betray you or, or, or to say really mean and nasty things, I mean, I don't want to connote that that's not a big deal. Right? But nor are the things that we do. Right? And that is what is so amazing about the love of God is that no matter how horrible the things we do, that there is that forgiveness. It is a free gift of grace. doesn't make sense. You can't process this with your mind. You're going to sit down and think about it. You're like, God, it makes no sense that you would forgive me. And yet he does. It's so wonderful. You just have to receive it and, and just be happy and just, just sing for joy and cry and just be like, God, why? Why would you forgive me? It's so wonderful. And in that same way, that love, that, that forgiveness, as it dwells in you, to say, I know it makes no sense for me to forgive the person who harmed me, who wronged me so horrifically, but it's something I must do. Brothers and sisters, this kind of forgiveness has changed the world. It really has. I mean, I, I could seriously preach a really good sermon, and I have before. I'm not going to do it today. But time and time again, you see Christians who they forgive the murderers of their family members. They forgive the people who harmed them, who wrongly incarcerated them, who said horrible things about them and their families. And they were able to forgive. Make no mistake, that is not human love. That is the love of Christ. And what we are desiring more and more is to abide in that, to rest in that. And brothers and sisters, yes, there might be something that we have to say, Lord, if there is some kind of, of identity that I'm building on being wronged, that I'm not able to let go of, I need to go back to the first line of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who is in the heavens. My primary identity is I am a child of God. I'm not that person who has to be right. I'm not that person who, who has to get all these things clear. Right? My identity is not based on a victim identity. I can let go of those things because I am a child of God, right? Look at the radical way that Jesus forgave people. I think that came primarily out of his identity. I I don't think that came because Jesus had great willpower, necessarily. Maybe that came with the territory. But brothers and sisters, it, it is not the absence of wrong that makes us able to forgive people, right? As it wasn't for Jesus, And so you don't need that other person to admit that they're wrong to forgive them. It is a supernatural act. It's not easy, brothers and sisters. That's why we have to pray, right? And so why don't we just take a moment uh, and and let's close by... um, Here, I'm going to put it back on the Lord's Prayer. Let's take a look at this again. Psalm 
So brothers and sisters, let's just take a moment, and I want to uh, pray this over you. So if you could just receive, just, just listen to these words. Our Father, who is in the heavens, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, my kingdom go. Your will be done, my will be gone. On earth as it is everywhere. Give us today, for the next 24 hours, everything that I need for this day. And forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us the ways that we have overstepped against you and others, as we also learn to forgive those who have overstepped us and our boundaries. Lead us not into temptation or any of the ways where we are tripped up, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can you just receive, brothers and sisters, without overthinking it, can you just receive that you are God's child? that you are forgiven. Maybe part of the trick is, uh, or part of the problem is that we haven't forgiven ourselves. Yeah, maybe God forgives me, but we're still holding this unforgiveness of ourselves. And maybe that unforgiveness we project onto other people as well. Well, I know I'm a screw-up, and I know they're a screw-up, so i got to hold on to both. Brothers and sisters, let go. Let go. Can you just fall into the arms of grace again? Can you just receive that you are completely forgiven? Given, given. It is grace. It is a givenness. God is giving himself to you. All you have to do is receive that. And as you receive that, may that forgiveness create an expansiveness in you to also forgive your brothers and sisters those that we have made boundaries, but God is saying, I want no more boundaries. I'm breaking down, (laughs) crashing through those dividing walls of hostility that make you think you are separate from the other. No, they are you. You are them. They are your brother and your sister. They are my children. And I want us all to be together, to be together in unity. And brothers and sisters, maybe we could just pray in in, in faith to just forgive someone. Uh, uh, You know, we know that we're not living in this way of forgiveness when you're still being offended, right? You're still getting offended. It's still peaking something within you. You may not completely believe it yet, but brothers and sisters, maybe you will slightly be aligned more to the forgiveness of Christ when we say, Lord, I forgive them. In Jesus' name. So who is it that hurts you? Who is it that you can't let go of that hurt? Can you picture their face? (laughs) And picture their face, not like the most unflattering picture of them. (laughs) Picture them smiling. They are a child of God. Maybe just say those words in faith, in obedience. Lord, I forgive them in Jesus' name. 
as I have been forgiven in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.